0: Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique, specialist, fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class, holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our
1: new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Rayleigh on the socials. Welcome to Knocked Up, a podcast about fertility, pregnancy and women's health. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Rayleigh Lou. The REI Fertility Specialist, Gynecologist, and Director of Women's Health Melbourne. Welcome, Raylia. Welcome. If you're enjoying our show, please leave a review on your. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on whichever app you listen to us on. Many people are affected by infertility, and if you know someone who might benefit from listening to our podcast, please send them the link to Knocked Up.
0: This is our passion project. We do it to support and empower women. With evidence-based information to cut through the noise of Google and advice that others might give although well-meaning that might not be relevant to the person. If you've got any questions don't worry we'll keep you anonymous. Email us at
1: podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au Today we're answering a listener question about I suppose life after having a baby and while breastfeeding and your menstrual cycles and where should we start maybe about menstrual cycles post-birth how do you know when they're back to normal?
0: So menstrual cycles, they usually obviously cease for the whole of your pregnancy. And then when you give birth, you have, um, after shedding the placenta, uh, a period. It's not really a period as such, but most women call bleeding any kind of vaginal bleeding, like a period, So, So, um, but bleeding. And that can go up to six weeks. That's kind of like normal after birth. And it generally just settles down. And then when your period comes back really depends on if you're breastfeeding or not and if you're breastfeeding exclusively or not.
1: So breastfeeding is thought of as possibly being a contraceptive. Is there some truth to that?
0: There definitely is. I mean, there's this concept called lactational amenorrhea and it's more effective in some people than others. Some people don't get their period back if they're exclusively breastfeeding until their baby is having some other form of... Nutrition, so being, you know, kind of on solids or, or drinking water because exclusively breastfeeding uh, releases a lot of prolactin and it, if you're feeding around a, the clock and feeding on demand, um, that prolactin pulsing is really significant and it suppresses your release of the little hormones in the brain called gonadotrophins that tell the ovary to get a follicle ready to ovulate. mm mm-hmm. The difficulty is with child-led weaning, women don't know in advance when their first ovulation is going to be, they don't know that their period's going to come, and the period actually returns at the end or the conclusion of the first ovulatory cycle, so you've released an egg. So you've
1: already ovulated before you have your period,
0: obviously. Yeah, about two weeks earlier, and so... You don't know that that's happening necessarily. You might have a suspicion if you're really good at reading your body, like you feel maybe oestrogen rising, you feel a little bit more sexually interested, you might notice a little bit of... You, know, you get that, so women get a bit of pain when they ovulate? Yeah, beforehand you might get a bit of increased clear mucus, yeah. which is another um, thing that happens when oestrogen rises in the context of a follicle ripening, getting ready to release an egg. So if you're really in tune with your body, you might have a clue that you're about to ovulate, but a lot of women... Probably not if you're sleep-deprived and managing a yeah, newborn. exactly. You've got a lot on your mind and, you know, you're very distracted by lots of important other things, so mm-hmm. uh, it's totally kind of normal if women aren't concentrating on that. So if you're not ready to have another baby with a really um, small interval between children, it's probably a good idea when you're breastfeeding to be on some kind of contraception and the advice, the formal advice is that if you're not breastfeeding or you're not breastfeeding exclusively then contraception should be offered at six weeks after giving birth and if you are breastfeeding exclusively contraception should be offered at 12 weeks after giving birth.
1: So the bleeding post birth will stop and you'll have a break of, is it? any normal kind of break before your first
0: period? Again, it depends. Some women will get their period back much earlier than others, Mm -hmm. but an average would be that, you know, at least for about four months, you wouldn't get a period if you're exclusively breastfeeding.
1: Is it different if you've undergone fertility treatment?
0: Is there any difference? Not necessarily, no. So, after a woman has conceived a pregnancy, a pregnancy is a pregnancy and the body reacts in the way of, you know, kind of any woman, whether she's needed help to conceive or not. So the fact that you've had fertility treatments to conceive...
1: Makes no difference post-birth. No.
0: I guess the exception to that rule is if the fertility treatment that you received was because you didn't ovulate that regularly to begin with. Okay. So if you were somebody who had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, for example, and you needed help with ovulation induction to get pregnant because you weren't ovulating and releasing an egg before, then you may have what we call menstrual dysfunction or ovulatory dysfunction and not have regular ovulation return after you have a baby because fundamentally not much may have changed. And that makes it even harder to know, especially if you're one of these um, women who has occasional ovulation as opposed to not at all, when it's gonna happen, it's very disorienting. Having said that, if you needed help because you had what we call a hypothalamic anovulation, so the central reason from the brain for not ovulating, often is associated with low body weight, and often can be associated with uh, women who are, you know, kind of either highly stressed, um, exercise a lot. Uh, most professional athletes have um, amenorrhea or anovulation, which means no, no periods, no ovulation. Um, And that may change after having a baby because it's normal and natural to put on a bit of weight during and after a pregnancy. And so it could be that the pregnancy and associated weight gain might actually improve the regularity of some people's ovulation. If
1: um, you get pregnant while you're breastfeeding, that would be because of what we spoke about earlier, about how if you're not breastfeeding exclusively, you'll have ovulated and you may not even notice.
0: Yeah, and that actually is important for women who don't want to get pregnant because it is important to know that there are lots of contraceptive methods that you can use while you are breastfeeding if you want to space your kids. Are there any methods in particular that are good while breastfeeding? There are a couple that are uh, used commonly, so it really depends on the interval that you want between kids. If you've given birth naturally, I think a really nice, and even if you've had a Caesar but I tend to wait a little bit longer, a really nice method is the Mirena IUD, or the, the progesterone IUD. But a levonorgestrel or progesterone IUD releases a very, very low level of local hormone into the uterine environment. So you still, uh, if you're ovulating, you still ovulate. If you're breastfeeding, very little hormone, if any, gets to the milk and nothing's going to disrupt um, the supply, nothing's going to get to the baby, and you don't have to remember to take it. So another very popular option is the Mm progesterone-only mini-pill. The progesterone-only mini-pill, however, has a very short little window of opportunity to take it every day for it to be effective. You actually have to take it within two hours. It's a two-hour window. So for women who are used to taking a combined oral contraceptive pill, uh, they'll know that there's a 12-hour window, so if you forget it or you sleep in or, you know, kind of it's the weekend, you can take it with a bit of leniency, but with the mini pill you really have to take it at the same time every day, so that's pretty challenging when you've got a newborn. Uh, and some of us, myself included, beyond the newborn period, still had babies getting up in the middle of the night and feeding multiple times in the night. So it's um it's a little bit haphazard so if, if you do want to take a mini pill what i suggest is a good approach is to keep it in your handbag and take it at a time that you're consistently awake during the day so
1: maybe so rather lunchtime, than maybe thinking morning or, or evening
0: yeah yeah you and think? yeah maybe middle of the day and set an alarm on your phone to remind you mm-hmm when it's due and also maybe a backup alarm yeah. uh, and that helps women get into a pattern with the mini-pill but yeah. the marine is kind of set and forget compared to the mini-pill mm-hmm. and also copper IUD is very effective and yeah. that's non-hormonal as a condoms yeah the only problem with the copper IUD that I find and why I don't use it that much is that it does tend to make periods heavier and more painful because its mechanism of action is local irritation It's releasing this copper oxide into the uterus and its job is to irritate the lining, whereas the progesterone-only IUD has the opposite effect, it's kind of a bit of a calming effect on the uterus and keeping the lining thin and serene, and so women tend to either not have a period or have a really light period, uh, which is kind of the opposite effect. Uh, but some women are really sensitive to hormonal effects no matter how the, how low the dose is, and uh, Know, won't tolerate a progesterone IED. It's the minority of people that are in that boat, yeah. the vast minority. Yeah, other options you can have Implinon, which is a little rod. Is that thing in your yeah, arm? Yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's an the gestural rod. It's another kind of progestogen. Um, it can be used uh, straight away after giving birth and it won't disturb breast milk either. Uh, it lasts for three years. And it does have, I think, not as great a side effect profile as the other methods, because there's a lot of women who suffer breakthrough bleeding with that method, but it's certainly reliable. Uh, also, I think it's probably associated more so than other methods with uh, unwanted fluid retention, and some women find it's very stimulating to the appetite, so they might have a weight gain associated with that method. So for some, it's Uh, it's got some really good features uh, similar to uh, an IUD in that it's kind of set and forget and you can't, you know, kind of forget to take it because it's working continuously Uh, but it's got some downsides as well Uh, and it unfortunately leaves a tiny little scar and has to be taken out with a little procedure when the time comes that you want to have another baby or change methods or it runs out of Mm -hmm. contraceptive another option is the uh natural tracking method so billings method Uh, having said that you really have to be all over your cycle have a regular cycle and know when you're ovulating for that to have any chance of being effective it's much more effective when combined with condoms so in using condoms at a certain time of the month Mm -hmm. remembering that when we're ovulating we're feeling the most interested in sex so that's a bit it's of nature. It's nature. So our bodies are uh, um, making us feel like we want to procreate, um, subconsciously. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say that, you know, people who want to use the, the Billings method, it might not be the best method just after kind of childbirth and breastfeeding because you may not know when you're ovulating. Your cycle can take a little while to get back into a rhythm even if it was clockwork before. And not knowing exactly when you're ovulating is really a spanner in the works for that Mm. method Um, and ladies remember your app does not know when you're ovulating (laughs) (laughs) it's doing as much guessing as you're doing (laughs) it's it's a logical mathematical friend it's looking at data that you've entered of what has happened before and it's using that to give a best guess of what's going to happen in the future I kind of use the analogy of you know, weather in Melbourne, we can have an idea of what it's going to be, but it may not actually be what the weatherman (laughs) said it's going to be on any particular day or time of the day. You know, it's a bit of uncertainty to the predictions, so think of it a bit like that.
1: That's quite a nice um, segue into cycles after pregnancy and if they've changed. So could your cycle be shorter or longer, um, periods heavier?
0: Yeah, so basically it's a bit of an open book. Some women find, like we mentioned, that their periods maybe more regular, like if they've kind of um, put on a little bit of weight and the pregnancy itself has had a bit of a reset on their system. But also you're that little bit older. Yeah, that so little bit older, exactly. Your periods on, might be a bit shorter. Yeah, or your cycles might be a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. as our egg count goes down, as our ovarian reserve decreases with age, uh, our, our period cycles do tend to shorten. Uh, so the 28-day cycle might shorten over time as a woman enters her, late 30s, early 40s into more like a 26-day cycle, more like a 25-day cycle. So things do change with age. The other thing is the uterus in pregnancy has gone from being the size of a small pear to being the size of a large watermelon. So... (laughs) And back again. And it never quite goes back to exactly what it was before. There's been a lot of what we call muscular hypertrophy, which means the muscle cells grow and increase in size and so what can happen is after pregnancies uh, women can have a tendency to develop a condition called adenomyosis which is when um, glands can grow into the muscle and you know kind of a lot of women get very concerned if they've had an ultrasound that shows adenomyosis but an important point is it's really common. Yeah, we've got an episode on it. So yeah, we can that catalog. go back in our, yeah. in our back catalogue and have a listen to adenomyosis uh, episode to have some more information. But, you know, the uterus does change. And so a lot of women do feel that periods are a little bit heavier after having had a baby. And that can be uh, something that is just after the first baby, but it can also be something that increases over time. The other thing is, as we get older, we do collect pathology and things like fibroids, which are little swirls in the muscle of the uterus, little benign tumours of the uterus are common and they do grow in pregnancy. So the hormones of the pregnancy do encourage these fibroids to grow so they can change shape and they can uh, change the way that they impact your cycle. So that's something that can happen during a pregnancy and impact cycles after a pregnancy.
1: So I think it's fairly safe to say that if you're thinking that you're going to want a gap between children that you should probably start think you should probably start talking to your GP about that before you give birth.
0: Yeah. Look another thing to say is that breastfeeding is something that is very very special and it's very bonding and while not everybody can breastfeed so it's important not to you know, kind of blame and stigmatise women who can't breastfeed or who choose not to breastfeed for various reasons. Uh, Some women do enjoy it and want to keep going and babies can enjoy it and it can be a very special bond. So another question that I'm often asked is can I keep feeding while I'm trying to conceive? And often what happens is women go from exclusively breastfeeding to feeding occasionally, feeding in the morning with a cuddle, feeding before bed. Um, often comfort feeding because after a while the nutritional uh, component is the minority of what the, the baby's getting. They're, they're eating, they're on solids, they're getting a lot of nutrition from other sources but they still enjoy a feed. In that context a woman will usually have a menstrual cycle return to regular and if you're not feeding exclusively, if you're feeding occasionally, regularly but not kind of supplying the baby with the majority or child with the majority of their nutrition, then your menstrual cycle really should have returned. And if it hasn't returned, you really should maybe be investigated as to why that is, because there can be other reasons that are implicated, be it a hormonal imbalance, or be it polycystic ovarian syndrome. And if you really, really would like to conceive again, but you would also value being able to continue feeding, Uh, that's something that can be supported by a fertility specialist so you don't have to stop breastfeeding in order to have another baby and many mums are able to continue to breastfeed their baby or small child and conceive again and many women do conceive again without really meaning to i guess incidentally while breastfeeding because they didn't realize they were ovulating
1: thank you radia pleasure Thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up. For more information on breastfeeding and conceiving after having a baby, general fertility and women's health, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. We've got a huge back catalogue, including episodes on adenomyosis and fibroids and a few other things that we mentioned in this episode. Definitely worth checking out the back catalogue. And by subscribing to our podcast, you won't miss an episode.
0: And please give us a five-star review. It helps others find us. Our mission is to empower women seeking real, honest and accurate fertility advice. We appreciate your help. You can always follow us on the socials at Women's Health Melbourne
1: and Dr. Aaliyaloo. And of course, if you've got any questions, please email them through to podcast at Women's Health Melbourne. And obviously, we'll keep them anonymous like we have here. And we'll be back with another episode soon.